This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's podcast for your author success with the Author You, your guide to book publishing podcast. And as you listen, you will get a variety of ahas, insights, tips, and how-tos for your author publishing and book marketing success. I always love to start uh, our shows with a quote from my book, Snappy, Sassy, Salty, Success, Wise Words for Authors and Writers, and today's is really a shorty. Don't get discouraged by the success of others. The path you make is yours, and it's yours alone. And with that said, today's show is actually a continuation of a series I kind of started back in November of last year. Gulp, can't believe we're in a brand new year. But it's snippets I've taken from my book, How to Avoid Book Publishing Blunders. And it was all new last year, updated, revised a tad, new cover. If you don't have it, um, I would sure encourage you to do the magic clicking. And you could either order it from your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore, or you can go to Amazon and get it fairly quickly. Um, and it's available in audiobook, print book, and ebook format. So I, I've given you your choices. All right, so today I'm going to kick out with some um, areas and ideas involving uh, writing. And the first tip, the first tip I want to leave you with is to create a system that quickly identifies your latest file to work and write in. Now, I know in previous shows that we've talked about, you know, management system, and one of the big snafus I consistently see authors do to themselves is they keep going over the same file over and over again when basically it's already a done file. And it should have been moved into a done folder, if that's what you want to call it, or you could call completed, or you can call it finished on that. And one of the things when you start having old folders, let's say you've been revamping them, um, and then you come back and you open up the new file, you know, maybe it was file one three months ago, um, and it should have been, you say, well, I do, I, you know, I, they're all identified by date, but you know, I'm telling you when you're in a hurry, sometimes you don't look at that. So I think it's a good idea in the very front of your file identification to put either a number or you put the date there, not at the very end, where, where it automatically drops in. You put it at the very front. Um, and you have a coding that will prevent you from going back in and reworking something you've already done when you're ready to move on. And I know when I work with authors as their uh, developmental editor, I will start going over something and say, we've already been in this paragraph a gazillion times. And that's because 
there is no updating to which is the latest and greatest. And also on your on your management system, you ought to have one a folder that just says old. So you move these into the old doesn't mean you have to delete them yet. And they're there because there may be a goodie, a gem in there. You might want to come back and revisit and maybe pull into a later part of the book you're writing. But this is a constant problems because here's what happens. The wrong ones are resent to editors, designers and reviewers. So that's my tip, the full tip. So, so next up is remember this writing smarter writing wiser and writing to and for your crowd pushes the button to start the gathering of super fans. Learning and then embracing the fact that blogs, articles, and books can begin a new life with a twist and a tweak, repurposing old content into a new format and understanding that headlines need a snap, crackle, and a pop element to them will always make you a better writer and a marketer. So if you pull that apart, there's three elements in what I just said. One, super fans. Those are people who will do shout outs for you, who listen, when I go in a bookstore and I know one of my author's books is in there um, and we're doing maybe events coming up, I will go to that section that that book is there. And immediately, I know bookstore people go cuckoo, I will immediately turn those books face out, the cover out, because the typical, the norm, the most likely is that it's spine out. And that's why, by the way, you want to pay attention to the spine. Is there a little pop to your spine, a little color on it instead of just a book title and your name? Think about that. When you're working with your designer, add a pop element feature that will let, help you stand out when you're spine out. But super fans will turn your books face out. So, and you might want to do that for books that you love and you want to support. Super fans will shout out. They will help you with marketing. They will buy everything that you create and publish. And they will let others know it. And they will, you don't have to goose them to get a review up. They will gladly share that and put that together. So think about that, building those super fans. Now, the other element of what I just said about your, your blogs, articles, and things with a tweak and the magic word in that sentence was repurposing old content. Once I've done a blog, and I've done a lot of blogs, I do two a week, once they are a year old, I automatically put them into my redo folder, repurpose folder. And what do I do when I do that? I tweak the headline. I tweak the opening paragraph, change words around, add them. Um, if I have bullet points in it, which is very normal for me when I do blogs, I rearrange them. What that all says to the Google gods and all the other SEO gods is this is brand new, brand spanking new. And they will give you more credibility. You have a higher influence factor with that. So that's always a smart thing to do. And the other thing is, you know, once you've done something a year out, you may have a different position, a different attitude, a, a, a new add-on to it. So don't think you have to reinvent the wheel from scratch. Every time you do a blog or an article, you've got the guts there. Just fix it up a little bit, rearrange it. And if you're using images, which I'd recommend, 
put some new images in. And that would be that. And then the third component of what I had just written or, or quoted to you was the snap, crackle, and pop for headlines. It's so important that you have either an intellectual, uh, an emotional type of pull with the words that you use in your headlines. I've always referred people to this site to check out how yours are doing. And it is A as an apple, M as in Mary, aminstitute.com. Click on the headline analyzer and just put in what you're playing with and then enter and see what your ranking is. If you're, or, 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 or your rating is a better word what your rating is. As soon as that comes up, if it's over 30, it becomes a keeper. Now, you can play with it a little bit. You can add on a little bit more, another adjective, a different adjective, maybe rearrange it, but play in the aminstitute.com's website and see if you can goose it up to a higher rating. But anything over 30, for, for all of us who do headline-related areas, Anything over 30 uh, that makes a copywriter have a happy dance. So do think of that as you move into that. Next tip, remember your voice. Your voice in your writing needs to be very strong. Now, I'm not talking about raising your voice when you're talking to someone, although that could be important to do. I'm talking about within your writing. Is your voice consistent? Would, could, could I pick up something you've written and maybe even get a feel that it's you that's here? So you want to be consistent and you don't want to write passive. One of the first things I do, especially with my nonfiction authors, is when I am starting to scan the manuscript, the draft that they've turned in, um, the red pen is out, or in some cases the purple pen for me. It's out, and I am already looking for the we's and the us's um, and that kind of thing. Because always remember, when you're writing, you're writing to one person. Oh, oh, you want to have hundreds of thousands of them. I get that. But one person at a time is sitting, holding your book, reading your words. So it's with you. It's a you and me thing. You and me. So use the word you, not the we. We go along. Um, and it's so common, and it's the first knockout, uh, strike to strike one. So do remember that. When you write in a passive voice, you open up the maybe. Well, I don't know. I don't think that's all a we thing. My brother Harry would never do that. All right, so it's you and me that you're working for. Because remember, the person who picks up your book um, is looking for, for information, for solutions, for the elimination of pain, for insights, those ahas, or they just want downright a deep dive into a fabulous read and entertainment. That's what they're looking for. So move away from passive writing. Let your voice come through strong. Let it come through loudly. Let it come through so that you know what you're talking about. If you're authoring advice, solutions, uh, tips on how to do something, um, in that area. And then for the writer, you know, you've got, for the author who is writing fiction, you've got to become that person that is the master storyteller. So the story that comes across is like you, the author, are writing that just for me, the you. All right. So with that said, 
This is Dr. Judith Riles. You're listening to Author You, your guide to book publishing. And when we come back, I'm going to have more tips for you to avoid blunders in this thing called publishing. is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Is there a book in you or another? Author You shows you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out, you will find a supportive and brainstorming community that is connected and creative, no matter where you live. Author You brings in national experts for its book camps and annual Author You Extravaganza. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author You's extensive network, Members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. Author U is the premier authoring resource in the country, creating community, education, guidance, vision, and success for the serious author. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, Author U is for you. Timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted on its social media platforms. And it is free. Discover Author You, where authors go to become seriously successful. Join Author You today at authoryou.org. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book. If you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. My next tip is something that I've talked about several times when I've had discussions with other authors. Um, and it is that it, it deal, it's punctuation. I'm, this is a punctuation tip. So I want you to avoid using hyphens. Um, there are certain times that they're appropriate, but rarely in the type of writing that you're doing. Instead, uh, embrace the N dash, that's E-N, N dash, and the M, the E-M um, is in Elephant Mary dash. So that, and there's a lot of confusion about when to use them, how to use them, um, and what they are. So if you were to line up a hyphen with an N dash and an M dash, the hyphen would be really teeny skinny. The N dash would be broader. It could be, oh, it could be double, double what the hyphen is, maybe even triple, depending upon what the font is you're using. Uh, And then the M dash is the bad boy, big boy, a really, really like a slash of uh, in there and not 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 a forward slash but a horizontal slash going across and what it it they each mean something so let's go into what they are the n dash 
is used to connect values in a range or that are related. A good rule is to use it when you're expressing a two relation, T-O, two relation. For example, in years, it would be 2001 to 2010. So that would be an N dash. Pages 63 through 66 are relevant when you're exploring blah, blah, blah. 63 N dash 66, two can be substituted. Um, I come from Colorado, so we could do this. This is one of the Super Bowl games we had when we won. Um, the Denver Broncos smother the Carolina Panthers in a 24 N-10 win. So in a 24-2-10 win. So hopefully that makes sense to you. Now, an M-dash is typically used as a stand-in for a comma or parentheses to separate out key phrases or a phrase you might want to have a pop to, sometimes even just a word, in the middle of a sentence for a variety of reasons. So here's some samples. School is based on the three R's, M dash, reading, writing, and arithmetic. And by the way, when I say arithmetic, I don't have arithmetic. You could have arithmetic, but the phrase went, is the A was missing, so there is a apostrophe in front of the R. Rhythmetic, all right? Next, against all odds, Martha, M-dash, the unluckiest woman in love, M-dash, discovered the love of her life. And the third example, I sense something, M-dash, a feeling I've not felt before. Now, when we talk about hyphens, a hyphen separates syllables of a word in a line break and is used to make a compound word to avoid confusion or an awkward spelling to join letters and words and numbers in a fraction. So one could be pro hyphen America, caged hyphen free eggs, self hyphen publishing. And by the way, a lot of the words with self, those two words phrases with self in them should have a hyphen between the self and whatever the word is tied with it. All right, so my tip here is you can create both the N dash or M dash quickly in Microsoft Word, if you're on using Microsoft Word, as well as in the, the ever-present hyphen. The N dash, how you do it is automatically created in Word when you type um, a word. So let's say my word is something. Something, and then you put in a space, and a hyphen, and a space, and then your next word. So say if I want something, n dash, something, I would just word, the something, space, hyphen, space, word. Now the m dash is different. We don't need spaces. So you would create it in the Word document. When you type something, hyphen, hyphen, something and it automatically will stretch as soon as you get that uh, for the n dash you get a space space and then the next word immediately no in your space in there it stretches to the shorter n and the m dash would be just the word something hyphen hyphen and then something again and then stretches it out um so that's one of the things one of the little tricks you can do if you're using a, a mac 
um, or some other device, you just look and see which way that they have rules. They have shortcuts and they will tell you what they are. And then one last thing in this, the size of an N hyphen, as I said, is very small, um, but the N dash would be the size of the width of in your font, the letter N as in Nancy. The M dash is broader and it is the width of the letter M in your uh, font that you're using. All right, so hopefully you've got that all together. A lot of people are very confused when to use them, how to use them, how to create them, and it does make a difference. I like it, uh, and then the other one I use for a separation, for a pause, something to be chewing when I'm writing, is I'm a big fan of ellipses, of uh, the dot, dot, dot. Now, if you go to the Chicago manual, it will say that you write the word something, and then you go dot, 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 and then you write something again, whatever that word is. I actually violate um, and um, say no to that rule because I like to put a space between my dot, 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 space, and then the next word. I just like to have a little bit of visual rest. Um, and to me, an ellipse is chewy. I like to use the word chewy. That's something to pause to think about. Aha, uh -huh, I need to take this in. All right, so that's my two bits uh, for that one. All right, so let's talk about your headlines. I mentioned um, the AM Institute, but let's take it a step further. I want to ask you, are, are, are your headlines boring? Are they politically correct? Or could they be a little quirky or cheeky? All right, so I actually like quirky, cheeky things. I, they get my attention. They do it fast. And when headlines are designed to get your attention, that's what they're for. They're people who this is what their living is. This is what they do. They write headlines for magazines, for uh, brochures, they, for, for newspaper copy. They, that's what they do. Uh, blah does not work ever, ever. So savvy authors learn early on that when they move from using safe headlines, the faster they get attention. So using words that tap into the emotions or the outrageousness of your readers become the grabbers that lead to openers. So which would you open first? Here's an example. Learn about, Learn about blogging versus five essential tips busy authors must use when blogging. All right, there's nothing really cheeky quirky, but there has a little bit more um, essence in the longer one. They both really mean the same, but I'll bet the rate will be 90% ahead of openers than what the first shorter one. After all, essential and busy and must use are the attention grabbers. So my, one of my tips within this segment here is would you like to create one with some snap, crackle, and pop? All right, so during one of my, uh, my book publishing unplugged events, I, I always do a segment, a module on gizmos and gadgets, and that which would be tools and tips for authors. So here's here's a couple that you could jump into. One is there's a site called Tweak Your Biz. So Tweak Your Biz, B-I-Z dot com, and it's a title generator. And you get ready to have your eyes open, inserting then when you just open up, the box opens up like a search box. And you put in your keyword, or you could have one or two words, 
and tweak your biz will go crunch, crunch, crunch. And in seconds, they will come up with lists, questions, best, how to, even snarky categories using your keyword. Now, I'm going to tell you that a lot of them you're going to toss out. There is just no way. But um, on when I put in book publishing, here's one that came up. Book publishing on a budget. Five tips from the Great Depression. Okay, so we all know what the Great Depression was. It's kind of ingrained in our conscious, whether, you know, it could have involved a grandparent, your parents could have lived through the Great Depression, but it's big, big stuff. Um, and it impacted globally what was going on. But gee, if I could get five tips, five tips on how to create book publishing on a budget from the Great Depression, you've got my attention. So that's a tweak your biz way that they come up with some varieties. There's another variation. If you, it would just Google portent, portent idea generator. It's, it's changed. It used to be portent.com, P-O-R-T-E-N-T. But this is kind of where you're going to have some quirky fun, which I kind of like. Um, so it, it creates a variety of twists and turns, even goofy, goofy, but hey, goofy attracts people uh, to, that could be the perfect hook. Portent's process is really simple. You just, when you go in to the site, don't use upper or lowercase, it's irrelevant, um, unless it's a proper name. And keep revising to create a grammatically correct headline that is often a laugh out loud. That's what it does. So if my key phrases are often book and publishing. So one of the options when I put book publishing came up, why book publishing why book publishing is more tempting than a Cinnabon? Well, you know, we've, we, Cinnabon is one of features in many malls around America. People, most people know what a Cinnabon is. It has this fabulous aroma. Um, when they're warm, they're, that, that delectable bite might be just what you're looking for. So why book publishing is more tempting than a Cinnabon? might be the perfect thing to use like during the holidays, like during December when people are really turned into things like that. But, you know, but comparing, comparing book publishing to munching on a Cinnabon wouldn't normally be something that I would think about for a book title, but the people at Portent do. And then lastly, which I mentioned in the previous tip, the AM Institute is huge in my, it's number one in my book. Doesn't do snarky, doesn't do quirky kind of plain Jane that you would, these kind of AM Institute would be what you would absolutely find in magazines. Well, not quirky magazines, but regular, you know, Time Magazine, Newsweek Magazine, Inc., Forbes, etc. They would be after those kind of headlines that would be attention grabbers, but would have the emotional pull in that. So, the and the bottom line is that um, when you're, when you put in things, if you have punctuation like N dashes, M dashes and things like that, most of these programs will throw it out. So don't worry about that. But having headline grabbers that um, are not boring um, and have a little bit of pizzazz to them is what you're after. All right, this is Judith. We'll be right back with our next tip for you to be successful.
Hayes, your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Discover the power of you and your book at the Judith Bryles Unplugged events. Each summer, Judith Bryles Book Marketing Unplugged unfolds over three intensive days working with just Judith. You get publishing strategies, author and book platforms, book marketing panache and pizzazz, and authoring tools to take you and your book to rock star success. In the fall and winter, Judith Bryles Speaking Unplugged includes Judith as your coach and mentor during two powerful days. You will learn how to structure a speech, how to create openings and closings, how to find gigs that pay you and sell your books, and you will get one-on-one coaching. Go to thebookshepherd.com and click on the Events tab to learn how to participate at the next Unplugged Workshop event. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Last year was a fun one for me because I declared I always like to have a theme. I always like to come up with a theme for what I'm working on for the year. Um, And then I run it all year through everything I do. Last year was the power of re. So everything I thought about, how can I recreate this? How can I redo this? How can I reblog this? How can I republish this? How can I re, re, re? One of my favorite phrases was, how can I repurpose? Everything I've done, why why, why start all over from scratch? So I'm saying that to you. Um, and there, and I, and my lead here is there is a gold mine. You've got a gold mine in repurposing your content. And then my question is, are you doing that? Are you doing that? There, there is no reason to create and invent new, new material for every social media platform or product you put your fingers on. A book that was written a few years ago can be cut up combined with new information, reintroduced, a new title, new ISBNs, new descriptions, a new cover. And by the way, that includes a picture of you, new cover on your bio. Just new, 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 all seated with words that you created a long time ago. Now modified, your book, your whatever the re is, has repurposed. And in this day, as it add to this, um, that... Short, and I have said this for many years, short is the new black. Short is the new black. Rarely, unless it's a fantasy read, unless it's a blowout historical fiction, dive-in read, people don't want long books. They don't want 500-page books. You, You will not see a book the size of Gone with the Wind. Cut it up. So look at your books that you have. And this is both for fiction and nonfiction. Could your fiction book be book one and book two? Maybe a little new intro to it, leaving it into book two. And, you know, as you look at what your fan base is, you've got a fan base. Your ideal reader, for example, is over 50. 
do you realize arthritis is setting into the hands? You, you don't want hardbound books. It's, it's heavier on hands. They're harder to open. You want to make it easier for your reader who will love you more. Is it a book one, book two? And guess what? You'll make more money because they buy two books. Now, for the nonfiction crowd, it's very easy to start thinking a lot of times books have absolutely defined sections within them that could be a standalone volume one, two, and three. I had with a client that I have done several leadership books um, for over the years came in with a monster, a, a monster draft for this next book they wanted for on, on supervision. I said, there's no way we can do that. We now have three books out of this that will all be friendlier to their consumer base which they have a large built-in crowd immediately ready to buy the books. Now, books, we'll say that plural. Now, now let's do a switch over to your blogs, that, which I love to do. And my rule in, in my offices is anytime something's a year old, that baby's game to be repurposed, new title, that mm -hmm. arrangement of bullet points that I typically use, the rearrangement, rewriting of the first paragraph, a lead. I might add a hot link to something. Maybe I did a podcast on the topic. I would go and find the link to the podcast and bring it into the body of the blog. All new, 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 and I always change the images out. So, And the other thing is, if you're adding, which I certainly hope you are in blogs, you have about you at the end of your blog. I'd like to see your picture of the blog. I always want to see a call to action. Maybe all that changes, but certainly, hey, update your pictures and update your bios because things could be changing um, for you. So here's some things you, you can all do. You can add an audio uh, a clip. How about uh, if you don't know about audioboom.com? Hey, why don't you open up an account? Connect your Audioboom account to um, iTunes and start creating your mini podcast. Have you thought about doing that? Taking these blogs and going over to Audioboon. I'm, I'm just talking about, you know, shorty stuff that you could push out. You could also do it on YouTube. Think about doing that. Now, you can take these clips you make and you can add them out to social media, all your channels. Maybe your thought for the day. Do them in minute, minute chunks. And, and I've done that, by the way, when I created my YouTube channel, I do a three-minute or less, um, uh, it's visual, so it's YouTube, um, where I just go in and I pop out 20 of these at a time. I'll sit in a comfortable chair, I've got a hot bug of tea by my side, and I just talk to the viewer. It's you and me. Now, here's a tip on how to repurpose content. And then, and then I just go through it. I end it within three minutes and they're done. Uh, and so those are little goodies that you can think about. Now, another method to repurpose your blog post is to create boards on Pinterest for topics related to the post. Um, and then it could be, it could be, for example, I think I have one called Kick Butt, uh, author and, and book publishing tips and ahas. And we pop into that, make sure a new one goes in at least once a week. Better yet, it's twice. You might want to create a new board for a nonfiction author. How about expert tips on whatever your topic is? And then whatever you've done, create a poster, canva.com, great free resource. 
There is one created specifically for authors called bookbrush.com. And if you, that there's a free site. If you decide to do upgrades on things, you can go to that. And here's, I'm going to give you my secret code to get a discount. I get nothing for it, but you use it. And it's, it's just Judith, my name. It doesn't matter if it's caps, upper and lowercase. It's just Judith and put the number 15 behind it. Judith's 15 and you'll get a 15% discount on any of their other related products on the bookbrush.com website. So those are things you can do. And so I want to think about the, you know, a new board on Pinterest, but then YouTube, um, and then taking your blog to video and just go on to it. And you could, you know, there are things that you can do where you can have a teleprompter um, behind your uh, screen so you can read that. The only thing I'm going to tell you when you're that close to your screen, the reader, the viewer is going to see your eyes going back and forth reading it. Much better just have your key points start it off um, you could pick up a piece of paper that shows in the camera and you could just say you could read that variable there um, and then just drop in and then kind of put the paper down and then talk to them what your bullet points out now what you could do on your screen just have like an index card or a sticky note and you could have just a word very quickly so it's not they don't see you darting all over it's right underneath the camera it's right there and keyword and you can talk off of that so there are little tips and tricks that you can do to do that. But just remember, repurposing previously used material is just smart, is just smart, especially for we busy authors. So in fact, there could be another book by using a combining of your blogs and your articles and keep, you know, keep themes and talk heaps. I got a, a couple of the authors I'm working with right now are exactly doing that, combining them creating a new book with a different title. It's already been published. And what I would do is you could have a disclaimer on your copyright page. And on that, you could just say, you know, some of the material within was published uh, under my blog in the last five years or something like that, if you're comfortable doing that. All right, themes and topics that have multiple postings are just ideal to uh, co-gather co together create a new intro for them. I always love to put something what I call the author's note. I don't like using the word introduction because here's the truthiness. A lot of people reading books skip over prefaces and introductions. When it says the author's note, you're already implying you, the author, are talking to moi, the reader. So think about that. And, and, and always calls to action. And then of course, Include a page to reference your other publications. By the way, in all your books, I want you to have a page to reference your other publications, um, anything that you provide in the process. So that will take care of that as a, just an idea and a tip. All right, so what about uh, editors? What about editors in this? What do we need to do in this process? Well, this is where you're going to get into deep doo-doo. If you don't have your reading read, whatever you're writing, have a, someone who this is what they do, editing, that will go through and make changes, and it's done very quickly. And when your reader needs to go to the dictionary, and I know I've got a lot of pushback from people who saying, well, that's the way I learn new words, and that's the way I do things. 
the typical reader, and that's why you have to know who you're who, who, who you're writing for. The typical reader does not want to go to the dictionary to figure out what you just said. So you've got to keep it sometimes simpler, um, verify what words. It doesn't mean you can't throw in a couple of doozies once in a while, but if that's what your game plan is, that jigsaw puzzle of something that you need a PhD for to figure out, it's not going to fly. You are not going to sell whatever you're trying to sell. So think about that in the process. And then going back to how we opened the show, uh, that what about passive? Is it passive? And you want to get away and move away. And you might say to someone who is your reader that I want to make sure that I am not writing in the passive voice. And they come across and they can let you know right away and start the correction. Now, here's the tip that I want to leave you with. There is one, there is one resource that I think is the cat's meow, and it's the Hemingway app. There is a free version where you can just go to Hemingway, spelled like the earnest dude, and you can go directly to it and you can drop in whatever you're writing and it'll quickly come back and talk to you about adjectives and the weisms and the uh, passive voice and it'll talk to you about uh, too many adverbs, it, just it in color coding on that. Or you can just pop for 10 bucks, which I would suggest you do, and keep it on your desktop. So whatever you're working on, you can just copy it into that without going online to bring it up uh, to verify it and it's all right there and and do a check on yourself so that's a smart thing so it suggests replacement words it'll give you an immediate overall readability grade always a good idea you know if you're writing for the 10th if, if 10th grade and you're writing a, a juvenile book that's not going to work so come back with that and that it'll let you know if your sentences are hard to read or very hard to read or difficult. So that's always a good time. So learning to write well, here's the bottom line as we close out this, this segment, is learning to write well is a cycle. Most writers suck in the beginning. And as they write more, they suck less. As they suck less, they write more. As they write more, they write better. And as they write better and more, they write faster. And as they write faster, they write even more. As they write more, your words begin to sparkle. So that's a whole process to go through. It means you're not going to get it right, most likely, the first time. We'll be right back with our final segment. is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Are you confused about publishing options? Do you know which printing option is best for your book? Does your stomach flip when you think about selling books? Or do you feel overwhelmed with what to do about book marketing and publicity? Get the answers and much more. Get them and from someone who knows publishing inside and out from both the traditional and independent sides how to make a successful book. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so. Or you can create a book that looks and feels classy. 
builds your brand and platform and is a success, a bestseller. It is your choice. You choose. If you want author and publishing success, you want Judith Bryles as your book coach. Sign up for her weekly blogs and easing at thebookshepherd.com. The book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and guide to collaborate with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You do not need more problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Riles will shepherd you through the maze and chaos. At times, she has had to step in and rescue a book. A book that has been sabotaged by a publisher, by a publishing service provider, and sometimes even by the author. If you want author and book success, connect with her today at thebookshepherd.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. So in this segment, we're going to hop over. We've talked about some writing-related tips. And, of course, my favorite word, certainly last year, was repurposing. And now let's talk about some of these things that will um, that are really must when it comes to dealing with editing. And that is, uh, I mean, if, if you want to be thrown out of a book awards possibility, if you don't have a professional editor of some sorts involved with your book, that the odds of you winning anything are pretty close to zilch. Um, if you are going in for book reviews with people outside of your family and friends, <clears throat> that you will get banged if you the, the punctuation is really bad, the grammar is really bad, if there are just blatant errors in there, and it's clear that it's not edited. It's very common to read reviews. You know, this book would have been so much better if it had been edited um, correctly. Now, with that said, let's let's move into that <laughs> and as the setup. All right. So the grammar grammar gremlins love your words. They love typos, verb confusion, paragraph perpetuity. Um, the number one mistake new and olders make is they lack editing. It's not your neighbor, it's not your friend, it's not your sister or your school English teacher who you engage. Editing starts with you, of course, on the first round. Round two should bring in the professionals. Your book will thank you and your readers will cheer for you. So, using professional editors, who are they? The difference between most self-published books and small, independent, traditionally published books can be summed up in one word, editing or the lack of it that's the phrase a word or a phrase if your book is loaded with errors the odds are that you've lost the reader by page three 
Uh, And as a side note, I remember someone telling me by the time they were done with the first three pages, they had counted nine errors. The typical book, if a a potential reader is going to walk away, happens on page 18. If your book is loaded with errors, I'm telling you, it will happen a lot sooner. Like my friend who said by the time they got to page three, there were nine errors. Now, with that said, not all editors are the same. Ones that do copy proof editing, and that's the grammar and the typos, may not be the same as editors who are content and developmental editors. Those are word doctors or sometimes wordsmiths. Their goal is to make your words, your phrases, and your ideas pop. Their goal is to make you look better. They will cost more than a typical copy editor. And in many ways, they could be, you know, the, uh, the wind beneath your writing hands. The, the wind, the wings that come in to lift you up. Sometimes, and I know, and I do developmental editing, that sometimes they, are, they can become a quasi-ghost for you. With that said, one of the final things that you should do before you ever print or move to an e-format um, and, and an audiobook format is to make sure that you print out your entire book, manuscript, in the whole thing. Print it out. This is not reading it on your monitor, on your screen, on your phone. Print it out. After the content development editing has been done, after the copy proofreading has been done, and 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 after I print it out again, this is my second printout. Right, once the book is done, done, we print it out to read it to see what holes are looking in it. What what have we done? Then it goes to we fix those. Then it goes to layout. When it's laid out, we print it out again. And now the author's reading it. And for, in my case, I'd be reading it as well. And we take it to a third type of editor. And uh, this is a different type of proofreader. Uh, I call it the cold eye editor. And they've never seen the book before. Because here's the, the reality is, once you're in a book, that your brain is going to tell you whatever it is there is there. It's done. It's fixed. It's, you know, and you just skip over it. You you know scan and you're moving along. This person hasn't seen it, and they're reading every word, and it is awesome what they come up with. I have a book, my, my first fiction book, written with Brian Barnes, has come out, and that is Peggy sat down with it. She, first she says, uh-oh, none of the headers match right. Well, I knew that they hadn't been done, but there were the headers. So on the left to right, at the very tippy top, or sometimes they put them as footers, but um, the more norm is at the top. Typically, it will have like the name of the book, the title of the book, and it could have the author on on one of the pages, or it could have the chapter title on one of the pages. And one of the things that they would be checking for when a new chapter came out, did the header change also? It's minor. You don't even see some of this stuff. They would be checking, for example, if you have a title of a chapter, and you have a contents page. Remember, we don't call it table of contents now. You have a contents page, and does it match what the chapter says? Those are little things, but I'm telling you, there are so many errors just in that going along. 
So the difference is here now as we go through this that when you after you've got this book printed out um, that it's amazing what is still there even though if you've had all these pros in it is amazing what's still there there's still typos there's still punctuation that's off the wall needs to be changed there there could be dropped words there could be dropped sentences um, one of the things I'm going to go back to one of our tips in this in this episode of the author you your guide to book publishing podcast is I talked about hyphens I am known among our layout designers I work as as a hyphen Nazi I don't want to see a page with a gazillion hyphens on it. If there's more than one hyphen in a paragraph, you know, I will figure out how to rewrite it, uh, that paragraph or something to alter it to get rid of it because they become visually unattractive and they're brain interrupters in that. I never want to see more than three hyphens ever on a page, an entire page. So. Those are things that the people that I work with know I'm going to be going after, so we're going to have to fix that and that possibility. So as as this book is printed out, um, then this is after the layout. This is this editing that comes in that you you have to think this is how now the reader, because this this final editor I bring in post layout is a typical reader of what you're doing. So they are going to see things for the very first time um, on it. And that they had, um, because of this, that it's easy for them to spot things that you and I would not spot because we're over it. Our brains are just done. And it's amazing, even with all the eyes that are working on the book, this final cold eye editor returns the book with what we call good catches, good catches being found. Oh, commas are going to be missing there or lack of them. So we get that taken. Periods are missing. Lines get disconnected. But sometimes, you know, a major spelling is just overlooked. Um, And you may, you know, the the computer may have been told to accept this word. Uh, a place, a location could be missed. Something could be glaring at. It wasn't really in this book. This is the wrong title that you cited. It really comes out of this book. That's what this person does. Um, and to me, that that, that final read-through post-layout is one of the most essential things that we do um, in as at the Book Shepherd. So my tip here is, don't forget, Editing flows to your cover and your dust jacket as well if you have a dust jacket or flaps, what they call French flaps. Make sure that that is read out loud. And the last thing I would suggest you do is read out loud. Um, you don't want to skip any of what I'm talking about, this editing page and phase. And it doesn't mean turning um, your over the English to someone, as I mentioned earlier, that your school teacher friend may be totally the wrong person, may be totally the wrong person to be looking at your words this way. Solid copy and content editing that whacks wordiness and streamlines your word choice makes your writing sing, and it makes you look like a better author, a better writer, and that should be our job for you. If you want a professional-looking book, get a professional editor involved. Not your cousin Charlie, who loves to read, or your mom, who was a school teacher. Choose an individual who edits for a living. 
So be aware you're going to have multiple drafts of your book. You're going to go through all of them. I know you're going to want to vomit. You'll get so sick of it. Editors are human. They miss typos and things. Don't be fooled into thinking you're the solo editor. And I have people think, well, I've edited it. I've had several of my friends read it. They're editing it. No, they're not. No, they're not, especially in fiction. You got to get a jump and go to the, the, the professional and pay for it. And once you've had your book edited, once it's done, I want you to go through it again, print it out, read it aloud, line by line. You will make some changes. Um, and also, I think that one thing involved here is make sure that this your proofreader, if you have a proofreader who also does the first draw through, make sure that they are not the same person because um, a lot of times their head also has already read your book, worked on your book, tweaked your words. Their head is not going to see some of the stuff. So that's why you want to have that final person come into play who has never seen your words before. Knows the only thing they know about you is whoever introduced them said that they are, um, uh, you know, who you are, what your book title is. That's the bottom line. All right. And with that, we will close out this episode of the Author You, Your Good guide to book publishing podcast. I hope the tips that I've shared, not a huge number. You know, when I did the first blunders, I gave you like 23 tips. This one only has about seven or eight, but they're in depth. And that's the way you change and get better. We'll see you next week. Happy writing. for being a part of your guide to book publishing everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host dr judith bra